but I really like you, and like, but, mom, like I'm so turned on. Like, but, but like, my blue ball. Yeah, it's all that bullshit. Like, yes. You want to leave me on blue? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hi guys, welcome back. This is episode three, and I actually have Jared starting right off the bat with me today. Welcome. Hello, thank you. <laughs> that was such a podcast voice. Hello, thank <laughs> I'm you. I'm using my NPR voice. Oh, it's, it's nice. I thought we'd check in with each other. Well, we have some really exciting content for you guys today, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I thought we'd check in a little bit about how our weeks went. And we kind of touched on your relationship in our mm -hmm. last episode, but we didn't get very far with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, how did your week go? Great. Yeah, it was nice. I, I don't know. Do you have a specific question for me about my relationship? Because the one thing I was going to share today about where I'm at is really being in a relationship is scary. And there's a lot of points where as your feelings grow for somebody or as things get more serious, whether that is meeting their friends or them meeting your friends or families or just whatever, right? There's all kinds of things that might be a trigger point for you, you know, especially if you've been hurt before, if you have a past of some type, which is everybody. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> so I think I've been sitting with that a lot. Mm. And thinking about that, and it was, I had a really nice couple of days with my girlfriend and talked a little bit about some of that and just sort of for me, just sitting with that and working through some of that, like recognizing, oh, this is scary and, and like, that's okay. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's a good reminder because I think when you're single and you look at people in relationships, you're like, oh, they're so happy. I'm so lonely. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? But then when you're in the relationship, you're like, oh my gosh, this is scary. This is a lot. Do I prefer being single? What is it that I'm, am I giving something up or am I ready to move forward with this person? And it's, there's a, there's just so much on both of it. I know, yeah. I know for myself, I, I definitely have those scary, I, I, I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. I tend to run. Me when, too. When, yeah. when, and, and what happens is like my instinct is to turn off my feelings for that person and mm -hmm. want to run away when ultimately I really like that person and it would be better to to stay in it to figure it out. And, and I think there's something about high achieving, confident, competent people that are maybe more prone to that because part of what I've been thinking about in the past few days sort of journey, I guess, that I'm on is the idea of surrender and loss of control. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part. And you really have to give yourself over to being hurt. Mm -hmm. And those of us that are planners and maybe type A and maybe deal with a little anxiety, mm -hmm. that is like no bueno for yes. us. And a lot of our lives are constructed around knowing what the situation is and being in control of everything so that you're not caught in a situation that's going to hurt you or make you embarrassed or, or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Be detrimental to your career. Yeah, I think the I think that's really the biggest thing is we don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And and most, I mean, nobody wants to get hurt. 
But mm-hmm. I think everybody reacts differently to that. Yeah, but you can't. This is the equation, right? You can't get close to somebody mm-hmm. without risking being hurt. Yes. And we try to cheat that equation a million different ways and it never works. Those two things are locked together mm-hmm. inextricably. So that's how my week is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that got deep really yeah. fast, but that's good. Yeah. So you have the conversation. I like that you're able to have that open communication yeah. because open communication is really important. I've actually, one of the critiques that I get when I'm dating is that I'm too overly communicative. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i just like, okay, well, then you're not my person. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. it's, I think we're at the age where why wouldn't we want to be communicative? Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't communicate what you're feeling, then so, go to therapy. So do you think there is such a thing as over communicative? No. (laughs) Yes. No, definitely. And I think my thing is that I probably over communicate too soon. Mm. And it's for the the reason that I'm afraid of being hurt. Yeah. So I over communicate too soon and I'm trying to figure out like, is this person going to hurt me? Is this person going to hurt me? And ultimately I scare them away and then I, and then I justify it with, well, if I scared them away, then they're just not the person for me, Mm. which I think there's truth to that. Because I think eventually someone will meet me and be like, okay, yeah, she's pretty intense and she communicates a lot, but I see something really special, really valuable about her and I want to give her grace through that and I want to keep seeing her. So, you know, I think there's a give and take. Sure. I agree. Yeah. How was your week? (sighs) Well, I decided to jump back on the dating apps. Nice. Just really, (laughs) really just for content for this podcast, for you guys. I'm doing this for you. So I downloaded Hinge and Bumble. Mm -hmm. I typically have more success with Hinge, but I've actually had more success with Bumble this week. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to, I'm actually talking to two guys right now. One, I connected on Hinge a couple months ago, and I told him, listen, I think I'm going on a dating hiatus. I want to just be honest with you. I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm going to delete the apps. I'm just not ready to date. And he said, well, listen, here's my number. If you change your mind, hit me up. Cool. So I hit him up Uh and he contacted me back. So we're kind of chatting. He's out of the country right now. So we're just chatting through WhatsApp. And then I'm talking to a guy from Bumble who lives in Costa Mesa, Mm -hmm. who seems quite interested He's older. He's 39. And I don't know. I mean, here's my thing with dating apps. I hate small talk. Yes. The worst part. I agree with you. The worst part. And so I want to meet these people as soon as possible. Totally agree. Right? Because there is no reason to talk for five days, nonstop texting and messaging, if there's no chemistry. Yeah. I can't. If I get... Like when you, when you match someone, you start messaging or whatever. And I don't understand people that are like, how was your day? And I'm like, you're a stranger. Like, I don't, you know, yeah, like. I don't want to tell you how my day was. Yeah, like, what like what am I going to tell you? Like, I mean, I, tough day at work, went to the gym. Like, that's not us getting to know each other. Yes. Like, that's so dumb. I agree. And how many people can you tell your favorite color to? <laughs> you don't ask you that? No, I'm usually okay. the one that asks okay. that. No, actually, but this guy that I'm talking to in Costa Mesa, he called me. Like, so I gave him my number because the app wasn't working great. And he 
texted me. He's been he's been very like, hey, listen, I have to do this right now. I'll text you later. Mm-hmm. So he's been communicative, letting me yeah. know that he's interested. He called me. He was like, I want to meet you. I just can't meet you right now. And I said, well, to be honest, I, I don't really like waiting a long time to meet someone. Mm-hmm. And he was like... <laughs> You're like, I don't like waiting... Period. I don't like waiting, period. <laughs> Actually, if you could have met me yesterday, that would have been great. And he was like, no. He's like, I, I hear you. I want to meet you. So we'll make it happen. So. Nice. Anyway, we'll see. I, I like that. I like it when the guy is kind of bold and takes control. We're totally stepping all over our dating app episode that we have planned. Oh, yes, we do. But I like, because there's so many stuff I want to say. I'm like, ooh, the phone move is a nice move, but I think that's generational or whatever. I know. But yeah. Yeah. So we, we are going to do an entire episode about dating apps yes. for those of you who are on them and kind of a how-to of what works, what doesn't. And actually, at the end of this episode, I do want to just give a couple of, a couple funny conversations that happen. Perfect. Okay. But our content today is going to be about consent. So I want to give you guys a trigger warning because we're talking about consent. There are going to be some some things that may cause triggers if you have experienced something that was non-consensual. Is that the word? Mm Non-consensual in the past. So if you know that it's going to be a trigger for you, then you may want to skip to the end of the episode. And Jared also wanted me to share a quick discussion. Disclaimer on his behalf, he talks in the episode about his work with college students, but he doesn't share the name of his current employer on purpose. He wants to be clear that what he talks about are his own views and in no way represent the university or anyone other than him as a private person in the world. Perfect. But Jared, I want to give you the floor because this is kind of part of your job of what you do. Okay, So maybe you could start by telling us how this is applicable to your job and kind of maybe what you talk about with the students on the campus that you work at. Okay, interesting. So the statistic that we hear a lot is one in five, right? One in five women, college-aged women, will have been experienced some kind of sexual assault or non-consensual act via force, coercion, or Hmm. incapacitation, Right, which is the sort of alcohol intoxication mm-hmm. piece. That one in five only for college women? Yes. Do we know that statistic for women in general? For non-college women, uh, I, I do not know, right? So RAIN, which is one of the sort of national organizations, I think has it at like 11.3% mm. of people lifetime. Mm. What's really interesting, though, is that, you know, you find with college students that this risk period is greatest in the first like three months of the of the year of the school year, so for especially for first year students, so like mm. this first eight to twelve weeks when women are first coming on campus, which makes sense because they're sort of more vulnerable. They right. don't know there's what's going on. There's some naivety on. there. Yeah, and there's also I think pressure. You're trying to find who you fit in with and stuff like that. So part of my job actually involves I'm an investigator for these issues, right, when the school is going to use its adjudication process, which is a choice that's left up to the students who are reporting things. So they can either go through and report through the police, and we always encourage them to do that if that's what they want to do, or they can use our process, or they can do both, or they can do neither. Mm -hmm. And we try to respect 
you know, the agency and the autonomy of someone who's just had their power taken away Mm -hmm. in terms of like, which one do you want to do, right? And they don't cancel each other out or you don't have to choose one or the other or whatever. So that's part of it. The other part of my role is educating students on our campus to try to prevent sexual violence, right? Mm -hmm. Our goal, you know, uh, our campus Title IX coordinator and I, you know, and a number of people are always trying to put on programs and offer education. Our goal is to get to zero sexual violence on our campus. Mm -hmm. It's an ambitious goal, but it's important. And, And it's interesting. You do that by trying to do all of the things. So you talk to people about reducing their own risk. You talk to students, particularly men, because there's a lot of... We try not to be too heteronormative in our education, but there's a lot of... Can you explain heteronormative? Yes. So the fact is, the vast majority of sexual assaults are perpetrated by men. Okay. The vast majority of sexual assaults, by far the most typical scenario, scenario is a man perpetrating sexual assault on a woman victim. That is called heteronormative? Yes. So, right. So if I'm talking, I'm talking to you about sexual assault and I'm, all the examples I'm using are like, okay, so the guy is doing this and the girl is doing this, right? The heteronormativity that's not great there is that sexual assault does happen woman to man, man to man, woman to woman, gender non-conforming, all of the things, right? But... Typically, it's man to woman. That's the most common. Right. Right. However, what's really interesting, though, is that LGBTQ people, students in my world, are at an increased risk yeah. over straight, non-queer students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and quite a significant increased risk. Mm. So we can talk about reducing risk. We can talk about, particularly with college-age men, about ensuring consent. Because so much of it, we hear the term rape culture. Right. And what that is that, you know, there are ideas around masculinity, ideas around sort of what's acceptable for, you know, women's bodies and their own agency over women's bodies that are not great. Mm -hmm. And young men who are coming of age, right, going through adolescence, there's all these things that they're seeing. A lot of them don't have responsible sex education. Mm-hmm. They don't have parents who are really talking about this with them. And then they're getting these things from popular culture. You know, porn is a big issue. But even watch any sort of Disney movie or mm-hmm. old cartoon. It's like the guy that doesn't give up mm-hmm. and like keeps going despite the woman's objections. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like that's a real trope, right? Yeah. And so how do we educate on consent and tips to ensure consent it's it's difficult Mm -hmm. right and and consent is such a ongoing communication Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and yeah so i could talk about it for hours yeah so so just what is consent okay so in california california law you know california and a number of other states new york is definitely one have like affirmative consent laws and affirmative consent defines consent as expressed through, it can be communicated through words or actions, Mm -hmm. that consent must be obtained at every escalation of the activity. Consent to one thing does not mean consent to another. Mm -hmm. And it's a ongoing process, right? Mm -hmm. Consent can be withdrawn at any time. Mm -hmm. So what is consent is a very big 
Yeah. Crazy can issue. You, can you, like, I remember watching a cartoon one time on, like, pouring tea. Yes. It, do you, do you, have you seen that? Yes. It's like it, the UK put out, like, what is consent? And it was like, mm-hmm. um, if someone says they don't want tea. Yeah. <laughs> then they don't want tea. Yeah. If they say they want the tea, but then they decide that they no longer want the tea. Yeah. Then they don't want the tea. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that is, yeah, it's, I think if you just go to YouTube, Google consent as tea, like T-E-A, it's like really, the beverage. It's really a really well done yeah. cartoon on it. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't, it doesn't create any triggers because it's so mild and mm-hmm. PG, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. It, well, you know, and, and that's, it's the absurdity of like, why would you be like, I don't want tea. And it's like, no, 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 you really want this tea. Yes. Right, like when you're doing it as tea, it it seems absurd, and then it really shows you how crazy it is that people do that yeah. in sexual situations. But what that I think that goes through, right, like the idea of forcing someone to drink tea when they don't want to drink tea, mm-hmm. the idea of coercion, right, which in most university policies and some laws is described as like an a, a unreasonable amount of pressure, mm-hmm. right. To, to drink tea when the person doesn't want to drink tea, which isn't physical force, but it can be like a little bit of intimidation and it can just be sort of repeated pressuring, being pushy. And then incapacitation is the other one that's really complex because I always start out when I'm talking with students about this, I say, can a person be so intoxicated that they are no longer able to give valid consent? Mm-hmm. And everybody in the room says, yes. Mm-hmm. We're all very familiar with that. The idea of sort of valid consent, Mm -hmm. right? That idea of affirmative consent must be clear, knowing permission by word or action to engage upon an activity. Then I ask a room full of students, can a person have some alcohol and still be able to consent and to give valid consent? And then the room gets kind of quiet and some people say yes and some people say no. Now where... Some health and sex educators, I think, have done a disservice to people is in the interest of being clear. And I understand why they do this. But people have said things like, if a person has one drink, then it's rape. You know, that no one can give consent under the influence of alcohol, any amount of alcohol, because intoxication begins at the first drink, which is true. It Mm -hmm. starts affecting your body, your nervous system, your decision-making. However, that's not how it works legally, right? If driving, there's a legal limit for driving, Mm -hmm. right? If you're an adult and you have one drink and you go uh, purchase a car or something, and then you're like, well, it was illegal for them to sell me this car because I was under the influence. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, you're an adult. You're expected to do that. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that question is, yes, a person can have some alcohol and still give valid consent. Mm -hmm. This is according to law. This is according to the policy at my universities and every university that I know of. Now, we can debate whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. The legal policy distinction is intoxication versus incapacitation. Mm Mm-hmm. And a person can be intoxicated, but when are they incapacitated? So incapacitation is defined as lacking the ability to know the who, what, where, when, why of what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. And that also has to be knowable to the other person Mm. in a way. Mm -hmm. So then when I'm talking with students around this, I talk with, you know, I talk about, so what does it look like when a person is incapacitated Mm -hmm. and unable to give consent, you know? because of alcohol, right? You'll hear passed out, 
you know, they can't walk, they can't talk. And those are all great. Yes, 100%, correct. And then the real tricky part is you go, okay, so how do you know when that line is crossed? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's a, an area where a person has had one or two drinks and is very coherent and you're debating politics and they're making very insightful points or whatever. And then there's passed out. And then there's a gray area in between. And this is the reason why a lot of health and sex educators want to oversimplify and just say like, anywhere near that gray area, no, run, run for the hills. And there's a lot of merit to that. But there's also, there's a lot of sex happening at college campuses after one or both people have had some amount of alcohol. Mm-hmm. So to say, just don't do it, I don't think is realistic. And I think you're leaving out a bunch of people that want to know, okay, when I'm in that situation, what do I do? And what I tell students when I'm having these conversations or giving these kinds of presentations is, you know, I talk to them about sort of the adding up of the risk factors. And I borrowed this from an educator at Penn State who has a TED Talk that's really good. This red light, yellow light, green light example. Mm. One of the things I do is I say, okay, so what, what does a red light mean? And everyone says stop. What does a green light mean? Everyone says go. And then I say, what does the yellow light mean? And again, it, there's some pause there. And a few students will say something. And I say, that's right. It means go really, really fast before the light turns red. And then everyone laughs because that's a joke, obviously. <laughs> um, right, because what a yellow light really means is slow down and proceed with caution. However, we all react to yellow lights, not all and not always, but a lot of us react to yellow lights by speeding up and going really fast before it turns red. Mm-hmm. And that's what people do in sexual situations. Mm-hmm. Then I walk students through different things like, okay, I don't know my partner. I, my partner and I have never met before tonight. What does that do? You know, that's like, okay, well, now there's a little bit more to think about in terms of making sure the communication is clear and the consent is clear. Okay, my partner's been drinking. Now there's a little bit more to think about. And we want to be a little, we want to be a little more thoughtful and a little more careful. Now I'm getting some mixed messages from my partner. Mixed messages means like one minute they're saying, let's get naked. And the other minute they're saying, hang on, hang on. I'm not sure I know you well enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we need... You know, now that's adding it up. I've been drinking. Mm -hmm. And when I say that one, students often get confused. And, you know, they're like, well, I I mean, if I know I'm okay, then blah, blah, blah. But part of being impaired by alcohol is maybe you won't pick up on the body language. Right. Or, you know, if your partner becomes uncomfortable or is trying to convey that to you in some way. Mm -hmm. And so, we're you know, as you add all these things up, that necessitates, I think being really clear and careful, mm-hmm. right? And I always tell students, you know, sometimes in the midst of a situation, like you want to kind of stop everything, get out of the person's space, <laughs> like turn on the light and be like, hey, let's check in. Is everything okay? Like, what do you want to do? We can do anything you want, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having th- that level of conversation. So all that stuff I just said solves the problem of non-consensual things that may occur because two well-meaning people and bad communication. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of non-consensual things occur, and there's a lot of research that shows this, by people, usually men, that perpetrate these acts knowingly and intentionally Mm -hmm. and repetitively. Mm -hmm. And so all that stuff I just did doesn't get at that. Right, right. Yeah. You're t- yeah, you're talking about like, and, and this isn't just for students. I mean, being in my 30s, I have experienced this as well yeah. with men. So I think, I think the main thing with that is if 
you're both interested in each other and mm-hmm. there's attraction there and maybe some alcohol, maybe not, mm-hmm. but you're having a good night and things are starting to get steamy mm-hmm. and heat up. It's never a bad thing to stop and take a break and just be like, hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. That's not that's not a bad thing. And maybe you even stop, you take a break and you realize, you know, maybe I don't want to sleep with this person right now. Mm-hmm. Or, or, and consent isn't even necessarily penetration. Mm-hmm. Right? Consent yep. is everything. Yep. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yes. There's never, there's, it's never bad to just stop and take a breather or go get some water mm-hmm. or talk to the person. Like, it's not going to ruin the mood mm-hmm. to do that. Yes. And, and, and I, you know, I spoke about sort of the kind of perpetrator sort of profile, but there's gray area there too, right? The gender roles, particularly in our country, are so shitty. I have men come talk to me after presentations I give and go like, I was in a situation with a woman that I was really interested in. You know, we were making out or something like that. Or or I asked if I could kiss her and she like laughed at me or got annoyed with me or, you know, so there's pushback on this from everywhere. And it's because we're also steeped in this bullshit of these gender roles that, Mm -hmm. like, the guy's supposed to be the aggressor. And, like, I think for a lot of people who aren't comfortable, like, owning their own sexuality and agency, you know, if that's what you've heard your whole life is that a man is supposed to just totally come on to you, then when someone's, like, doing a good job of asking you for your consent and asking you to be an equal partner and have Mm -hmm. full agency and stuff, sometimes there's pushback Right. And I've heard that before. and. And it's actually interesting because I've also talked to guys who are like, I know that no doesn't mean no. Mm. Like they've said that to me. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking like one guy. I'm talking to multiple guys that have said to me, I know that when a woman says no, she really doesn't mean that. And what she wants is for me to like keep pushing her. Mm -hmm. And my, I mean, my jaw is like dropped that these men think that, Mm -hmm. but is there some validity to that? Like you're saying there's some pushback. So are there some women who kind of play hard to get because they want that aggressor? I don't know. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think, right, this is where we're all trapped and hurt by these stereotypes, by these gender roles and things like that. I, I think that is true. So A, I'll share for myself, when I was in high school, you know, and in locker rooms for sports I was playing, like the older guys would like say, here's, here's what you do, right? When you're making out with a girl and you try to take her pants off and she stops you, what that means is like, wait two minutes and then try again. And like, literally I have memories of these guys, you know, saying to like my like 14 year old, like, I don't know anything, right? And you're impressionable and you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Saying to 14 year old me, Like, and you try again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, and and so that culture exists, right? I experienced it. Mm -hmm. I I heard it. Well, I mean, we have a president right now who has openly admitted (laughs) to grabbing a woman by her pussy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the culture is not only here, but it's like we have a leader of the world Mm -hmm. that is almost like bragging about it. Yeah. Now here's what's here. Okay. Do you want to know what the most annoying thing is to me? Every once in a while you hear about like an app that's like, oh, here's this consent app where like we both kind of click on it or whatever. Or like there was like, I think at one point there was like a condom, you know, that was like, 
you I don't know you both sign somewhere what? like on the, it's right and I'm like you sign on the condom I guess so I don't not on the condom itself <laughs> like I like after the dude puts it on you both sign, sign <laughs> like it. a cat yeah yeah no don't do that but to me I'm like that is such a fundamental misunderstanding of consent because this idea of like well you signed the paper so now you, you gotta go now through you gotta it. go through it and I'm like that's not how it works and I, I love the idea and I read this awesome article I wish I would I wish I could cite the person but maybe we can put it in the episode notes sure. or something but it's a, actually a deep philosophy piece about so basically none of our listeners are <laughs> going to read it we don't know <laughs> uh, but about consent we we think of it basically says we think of consent as a request for some sexual activity and then either a granting of that request or a denying of that request and and what the author proposes instead is that a much better framework is rather than a request, like, could I have this, mm-hmm. that it's an invitation. Would you like this kind it's of thing? A, would you like to join me in, in this, right? So a request would be like, I would like for you to, I don't know, take my trash out when you leave or something like that. Right, an invitation would be like, "Hey, Leanna, would you like to go on a hike with me on Sunday?" Mm-hmm. And 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 that's a subtle difference. I it may it might be stupid, <laughs> but I but I love the idea. No, I'm just of, think, I'm just thinking like, "Hey, would you like to join me in the blowjob that you're going to be <laughs> giving me right now?" <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but I think right. But but okay, who wants to be in a sexual situation? And feeling like you're t- you're getting you're getting like uh, like orders or, or or requests, right? Like, right. Hey, like uh, like I would like you to do this to me or for me or whatever, you know. And I always, when I talk with students about this, I always try to reframe the idea of sex is not something that we do to somebody. Particularly when I talk to men, right? Sex is not something you do to somebody; it's something you do with somebody. Right. And this invitation thing, I think, gets at the same thing, which is. Um, you're sort of stepping into a space together of intimacy and, and, and what do we both want that space to look like? Because the request model and even like the kind of consent, like, did you consent to the request you got or not? There's problems with that. And and so, you know, the, the invitation model, I think is more of a, okay, what, what are we going to, what are we going to do? And and what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Rather than like, what are you going to allow me to do to you? Mm-hmm. Or what are you going to grant that you'll do to me? Or what can I get out of this? Yeah, it feels more transactional. Yeah. You see the Like difference? how far can I go? Yes. Well, I thought I'd share a couple stories from mm-hmm. my own experiences of both a positive and a negative experience where I felt like I was able to... Well, anyway. Are we going negative first? I yeah, think. let's go negative first. Yes. Yeah, let's go negative okay. first. To be honest, there's a lot of different stories that I could tell, unfortunately. And I'm going to share some of those for maybe down the line. Mm-hmm. But one of the negative experiences I had, I was in Tucson visiting a best friend. And we were downtown. And I met a guy. We were playing pool. And immediate chemistry really attracted to him we met up with his friends he hung out with me and my friend 
we went to this club just down the way and we were dancing and then he kissed me and it was really cute and then we were kind of making out and it was just really fun. Sure. He really wasn't that drunk and I wasn't that drunk. So I invited him to come back to where I was staying at my friend's house. And my friend said to me, she's like, you know, if you don't want to sleep with them, remember, you don't have to sleep with them. And I really didn't. I didn't want to sleep with him, but I wanted his company and I wanted to keep getting to know him because I wasn't going to be in town for that long. And I thought maybe he'd want to just stay up and talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so naive. Oh my gosh. Right? So, because I don't know, maybe he actually liked me for me. Can mm-hmm. you imagine? So, well, and, and also, like, maybe he did. And I mean, like, right, like, there, there are plenty of men that would want that and would be okay with that. And I don't think you should feel bad for, like, wanting and expecting to live in a world where like you can do that right right like that's the world we fucking should live in yes but but instead Mm -hmm. i'm told well you made it go this far so it's it's on you yeah you know that's the story that's told to me so anyway so we went back to my place and we were making out and i just said you know i'm not i'm not open to having sex he was like, okay, yeah, no worries. And so we kind of fooled around and he did some other things that, and I just, I didn't, I didn't touch him. I didn't do, like, I, I wanted to make sure I was setting the boundaries that it wasn't going to go to where I didn't want it to go. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of fell asleep and then we woke up and you could tell like he was a little more driven mm-hmm. when he woke up and we started making out and he, Uh, got on top of me and was fingering me and then he had taken off my underwear or my yeah and was trying to go inside of me Mm. and I was not drunk but I was sleepy and I was trying to prevent that and so I had to block myself with my hand and say um, hey no And he was trying to pull my hand away. Wow. I had to say it a few times and I basically begged him not to rape me. Wow. And he got off. I tried not to think anything of it. And then he just kind of laid there and then we fell back asleep. So then the next morning, so it's very interesting for me because when I'm in these situations, I don't immediately think horribly of the guy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, I, I was, I caused that. Like I was the reason sure. that he was so tempted. And I understand from his point of view, because he thinks we were going to have sex and, you know, I invited him over. So really I'm responsible for that. And to be honest, I really liked him. I was hoping he would contact me after I left Tucson. I was bummed when he didn't. And it's kind of crazy. Even after this even experience. Even after this experience. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that it took me almost like over a year to realize that he was trying to, like, I call it stealing my consent. He was mm. trying to steal my consent. Mm. It was just a very, it's it's taken me a long time to actually look back and look at multiple of these types of situations that I've had where consent has been stolen from me. And I know that I'm not alone. I know that there's so many other women out there. And I think that either we feel we feel responsible or we feel like we can't say anything or we feel like this is the norm. Mm-hmm. Like this is normal for women to go through this. 
I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I will say every, just about every woman in my life that I have a conversation with has these stories, mm-hmm. right? And if, you know, for men that are listening or women who have boyfriends, brothers, whomever, right? Like, just men hearing these stories is so important. I mean, you know? I hope, I hope that they hear this and think, I need to make sure that I'm in a situation where this person does not feel pressured Mm -hmm. because my other, and I'll just say this and then I'll tell the more positive story. But I also think that men, a lot of men, and this is not, you know, across the board, obviously hashtag not all men, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I think men say that they don't push and they push. I think they don't realize it because they're driven by their dicks Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the guy on New Year's Eve, he's like, oh, I'm not pushy. And I had to, like, peel his hand away a couple times, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just just stop pushing. Mm-hmm. If if she wants it, she'll she should let you know or ask, yeah. you know, and 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 Jerry's going to give us some more specific details in the end here. Sure. But let me tell let me tell a positive situation now. Mm-hmm. So wait, there, there was one thing I wanted to actually no, Go ahead. Well, no, now I can't remember it because like, I lost what you were saying. <laughs> okay, I mean, well, if you remember yes, it, interrupt me. Yes. Okay, so my positive situation was that I was friends with this guy in town. He was much younger than me. And I wasn't ever super attracted to him in a romantic way. But we had some really sweet friendship moments. And I he was really into me. And I thought... Maybe I should give it a try. Like he this here's this guy, he's really into me, he's younger, he is working towards his career and maybe if we start being physical, maybe I'll be interested in him. Mm-hmm. So we were hanging out one night and we were watching TV and I just kind of leaned over and we started making out and then we went into the bedroom and we were making out more heavily and then he was kind of like and then he started doing some moves that I'm like, what? what's happening? <laughs> You're like, who told you this was a good idea? <laughs> well, then, I, then I'm like, okay, this is why he's younger. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But I started just not to feel it. Mm-hmm. And I and I just, I was like, you know what? Like, I, I don't, I'm not feeling this anymore. So I said, hey, can we stop? And he immediately got off and was like, yeah, of course. No problem. Like, and he went to the bathroom really quick. He came out and we cuddled. And then I said, you know, I'm sorry. I just, I'm just not in the place. And he's like, yeah, don't even worry about it. Hmm. That's awesome. Good so, guy. At, so, so there are good guys. There are there. good guys. Yes. And that has happened a couple of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not as much. <laughs> That's so as sad. The and, but so true. Situation. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to say just in general, right, are... I hope that you are not judging yourself for taking so long to process what's happened in some of those negative situations. That is so, so normal Mm -hmm. that the idea of guilt and self-blame being kind of a first response, Mm -hmm. right? We know that that's a really normal reaction to all different kinds of trauma and particularly this one. And so I want people to be okay with that, right? That, that coming to terms with any kind of incident like the one or ones that you've described uh, is a journey. It's a process, right? That's part of why at my university and a lot of places, 
there's no like statute of limitations. There's no like, oh, if you didn't tell us within the first two months afterwards or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. We don't do any of that because we know that this is how trauma works. Right. And yet in cases like the Kavanaugh case, Mm -hmm. it's still being brought up. Well, why did she wait so long? Yeah. It's it's really sad. I mean, I'm sorry guys to be so political in this episode, but it is really sad how women's and I would say mostly women. However, obviously there's other situations mm-hmm. and especially in the the queer world as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was targeted because she she's finally had the courage to stand up for yep. herself and immediately targeted. Yeah. And that's fucking sad. Well, and that's the thing. That's the other thing I wanted to share is when you described like the voices of others kind of looking at you and saying like, well, why would you think that he might just want to stay up and talk and like, oh, you put yourself in this situation, right? Like those are the voices that I think are also like still trapped by these traditional gender mm-hmm. roles and somehow threatened by mm-hmm. the idea of something different. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's, that, that's bullshit, right? And we should continue to fight against that. But it's almost like, oh, those people haven't woken up from the matrix yet. Like they, yeah. they're still in the scripts that are harmful to them and to all of us, and yet they're hostile towards something else because they haven't really processed it on that level. So I, I'm a big believer in like calling in and not calling out and all that stuff. So I don't, I don't have hostility and anger towards those people, even though sometimes it's really easy to feel that way when they're like making accusations towards women who are coming forward or whatever. But they're just still they're still stuck in that mm-hmm. in that really yeah, um, think, unhealthy way of thinking. I think that's an I think that's a good way to look at it. Is yeah. it's not I mean for me it's so easy to be mad because I'm a woman and I've experienced so much of this oppression. Yeah. In in this in this rape culture. But I think it's part of it is ignorance mm-hmm. in the topic and in the situation. Yeah. Right. Is that, is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, totally. Saying, okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, can I, can I share two quick stories? Sure. Okay. So one is, uh, I'm in college and I'm with my girlfriend that I was with for a, a good bit of time in college. And I think we'd been like seriously together for like a year, year and a half at this point. I went to college in the South. I'm from Pennsylvania. She came to Pennsylvania for part of the holiday break to visit me she stayed with me at my mom's house whatever you know they had met before and everything so it was like pretty serious and at one point we're in the house but we're you know have to like sort of sneak away of course to fool around sure so we go to this downstairs <laughs> I, mean, I still sneak away to fool around <laughs> <laughs> that's great from your dog olive or like, no, from that my oh, yeah, sister's oh yeah that's right house. none of us yeah we don't we yeah, don't we, live on our we own. don't live on our yeah. own yeah so so we go to this downstairs bathroom and we're messing around and she starts there's nothing sexier than a bathroom sure right i mean what are you gonna do <laughs> so she starts going down on me and i finish mm-hmm. and afterwards and it wasn't like right afterwards but you know like as we're like kind of getting ourselves back together she says hey like you put your hand on the back of my head and I couldn't like pull away. And like she was a badass awesome woman. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of like, you better not fucking ever do that again. Like not in like a, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like, you know, and she's like, I know, that's why I'm telling you. Like, wow. You know, and it was, it was really, I mean, that was a really interesting thing to me and why, you know, there are people who would say like, oh, you know, it's bullshit to say that this is miscommunication or that consent is complicated mm-hmm. or blah, blah, you're just making excuses for people. Well, I have experiences like this one where mm-hmm. like 
I had no interest in mm-hmm. doing something that was against my partner's right. consent in that situation. Yeah. Right? And if you guys knew Jared, like Jared is like, he's going to be the guy that's making out with you. And he's like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and the woman's like, yeah. would you just make out with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Cause I just, I thought I noticed. Something. I just, just yeah, said no. something. Okay. So actually, so to that point, another story uh, that happened like fairly recently is that not with your girlfriend no okay no 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 like uh, like within the last like let's say two years okay i was dating someone it was fairly new we'd been on a couple dates you know had a nice time attracted to each other not necessarily like you know like i was like "Mm," you know like not sure on whether we were like really clicking like emotionally and you know, because for me, being the type of guy I am, which you just alluded to, like, it's like, if someone hasn't, like, gone to therapy and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, do we really understand each other? <laughs> so it's like one of those. But, like, you know, there was pretty, like, hot sort of sparks between us. Mm-hmm. And I think we had made out not super hot and heavy or whatever. And then we start making out and it gets pretty hot and heavy. This is, like, third or fourth date. I think I had had, like, two drinks. She had had one or two drinks. And... We start having sex and like you described, right, of like all of a sudden like feeling like sort of disconnected and not feeling it or whatever. That happened to me. Mm. And that's something that happens to me. Uh, It's probably like my own issues around intimacy and physical intimacy Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that that I'm, you know, still working on in therapy. But so I stop. And that's something that I've done a number of times before, right? And normally you're just like, okay, you know, you stop and you go back to like making out or doing something different, you know, and kind of like, to me, what I'm looking to do is like reconnect Mm -hmm. sort of emotionally. And and I stopped and she like got up, she got pretty upset, you know, and I, and I, and I understand why, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think again, if you're one of these people who believes in the script, Mm -hmm. I think it really made her feel self-conscious. Well, she probably felt rejection. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and I think. Because it's not as common. Yes. It's so weird, but I'm like, well, why? Like dudes are, you know, like, like the idea that like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not your typical dude, but like. You know, like, if any, if a dude is like, oh, like, blue balls or whatever, that's bullshit. Like, don't put up with that mm-hmm. shit. Like, you know, like, this idea that men are so different from women, I, I, I guess. But also, sex without trust and emotional safety feels bad to everyone. Yeah. Man or woman, right? And the problem is, particularly, like, if you think about, like, adolescence and, and in a college setting, right? Like, two people hook up. They both feel weird about it afterwards. Because they were like, they had been drinking, they didn't know each other well. And then they both, the next day, have this feeling of like, ooh, what was that? Like, I feel weird about that. They have the same feeling because there wasn't emotional safety there. There wasn't trust there. And they feel vulnerable and icky afterwards. The thing is, and again, sorry for all the heteronormative examples, they react to it in two very different ways. And I'm stereotyping here. The stereotypical reaction for the woman in that situation is to start like sort of texting the guy and like, you know, kind of feels the anxiety over it. The anxiety results in the The sort of clinginess. Yes. Right. The guy retreats his anxiety. Like he has the same like, oh, I don't like how this feels. His reaction is he becomes a dick. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, and we look at just the behavior of like, oh, she gets clingy and he's like, oh, I mean, whatever. Like, I'm hanging out with my friends now, so I don't have time or whatever. Right? Like, and we're like, oh, guys are these callous people who are just, and it's like, no, no, no. He feels shitty and he doesn't know how to react to that because there's no socially acceptable way for a man to say, particularly like a young man who hasn't, you know, grown up to go like, I feel weird about the fact that like we were naked together last night. I don't know how to process that. And I'm, you know, like the only socially acceptable emotions for men to portray in our society are like anger and like nonchalance. And so he does some sort of. So like, then why that. do, why do men continue to go sleep with women then? If they, if they know that's how, it's it because they, they're not really understanding that that's how they feel so they know that they feel something and and they think what they're feeling is like oh i just the chase is over i'm just not into that girl anymore when ultimately what they're feeling is they knew that was uncomfortable because there wasn't trust and security there and then is that why when they kind of meet a girl that they really really like they tend to not want to sleep with them as soon so I, I like i can't speak for all men i mean i would say like yes in some sense to your questions like that would be my that's my belief but it's, you know, it's not black and white like anything, mm-hmm. right? I think I mean, there but, are couples that yes. are together that have slept together on the first date. Yes. Yeah, because I think they've been able to get through that. Right. Like, there's they a got way, through the awkward. Yeah, there's a way of like, ooh, this feels weird. This feels weird to me, too. I'm going to reassure you. I actually like you. I want to see you again. And like, you're going to reassure me. And then, oh. Yes. Okay. And that's how you end up building some of that right. safety, right? Right. I would say there's a number of answers to your question of like, why do men still continue to try to sleep with everybody early on? One is because like you alluded to, I don't think they're processing it at that deep level. Like, oh, this kind of hurts and feels bad. A second answer is that everyone is trying to cheat the intimacy vulnerability equation, right? Mm. When we started talking about at the top of the episode of like, it's scary, you might get hurt. And everyone's trying to cheat it. I think that's why... A lot of people, man, woman, gay, straight, whatever, go through like a slut phase. I went through a slut phase in high school and college and like grew past it because I didn't like how it felt. And I think a lot of, I think the slut phase is you're trying to cheat the intimacy vulnerability equation. Mm -hmm. You're telling yourself like, well, I can just do this and not get my feelings involved and not have to worry about it and not feel bad. But then you do it and it feels bad, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't cheat that equation and then you move past that phase. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my second answer to your question. Mm-hmm. My third answer to your question is, again, to go back to you know these gender roles and what it means to be a man. Particularly young men are, are desperate to sort of like, like that they have to pass, right? Mm-hmm. Every guy thinks that all this like manliness shit is coming natural to every other guy and they're the one who has to fake it, mm. right? And they're desperately afraid of being found out, right? This is kind of how everyone feels in high sure. school, right? Like everyone's cool and I have to fake it. And if they only knew like what a nerd I was or whatever, like I would never be able to show my face in public again. That's how masculinity works with adolescent men. Like we know this from research. And so they're sort of desperately trying to like fit themselves into this box, like this gender role script and how you prove that you're manly and a man, like one of the ways to do that is like through like physical prowess, right? By being like a star athlete, right? The other interesting thing is like manliness is like, 
you can't care about stuff. You know, like, mm-hmm. you can't be, like, like, if you got a good grade on a test and you're a guy, like, in high school or college or whatever, and someone's like, holy shit, dude, you aced that test. You have to be like, it's whatever. Like, <laughs> you can't be like, yeah, I studied my ass off. Like, I'm really, like, it's really important to me to do well in this course because that's not cool and that's mm-hmm. not manly. And being successful with women, having successful conquests of women is part of this script, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there's kind of like you've got all these young men who, right, haven't had good education, haven't had really positive male role models talk about shit like vulnerability. And then they go, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful, right? Mm -hmm. It's just as powerful the way it is for women who are like, oh, you're you're supposed to not make men angry and be nice, right? Like if you want to, you know, like, oh, I can't just totally flat out reject this guy because, you know, it's like all this bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good segue into... By the way, end of my story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, So she feels bad. I feel bad. I tried to like sort of text her afterwards and I was like, hey, you know, I'm sorry if that was sort of awkward. Like, I, you know, like I was kind of like, it's really, I'm like very attracted to you. I just usually wait a little bit longer to, you know, to have sex with somebody. And I think I just got a little bit like in my head, you know, I still want to see you again. And, and I can, I'm happy to like answer any more questions or explain or like blah, blah, blah. Never texted me back. <gasps> right. Which is fine, because I kind of like, I don't know, I, I, you know, I kind of was like, mm, this probably isn't going anywhere anyway. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I, it's just like, I don't know, I share that because this is hard for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's not just the, like you said, like the heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Which that is a new word, by the way, that I feel like I've been using very well. This yes, you've episode. done great. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we thought we'd kind of wrap this all together with what are some things, we're going to talk first to you men, what are some things that you can do to make sure that consent is in the picture? Yes. So this is, I'm going to read from some language, some educational language that I've developed that's, you know, been published through my university in some ways, developed with a colleague of mine. So the first section is titled Ensuring Consent, which may be applicable to men or anyone who's like initiating any sexual activity. And it starts with, sexual activity is best when everyone involved is clear-headed and enthusiastic about what they are doing. Hmm. I love those two parts, right? Clear-headed and enthusiastic. So then there's some bullet points. Understand that exerting power and control over another through sex is always unacceptable conduct. Never make assumptions about consent, about whether someone is attracted to you, how far you can go with that person, or if the individual is physically and mentally able to consent. If you have questions or are unclear, you don't have consent. Ask for consent at every escalation of sexual activity. For example, consent to kissing is not consent to sexual touching, and consent to sexual touching is not consent to intercourse. This may be the most important one. Keep communication open throughout sexual activity. Periodically check in with your partner verbally to make sure they are comfortable. You may think your partner is comfortable, but they may be intimidated or scared. The only way to know is to ask and be open to any answer. Ooh, this one's my favorite, actually. Tell your partner it is okay to say no at any point. Mean it. I love that. Right? I think that's so important. Say that again. Tell you, okay, and I'm going to like do, I'm going to state the punctuation too. Okay. Tell your partner that it is okay to say no at any point, period. Mean it, period. Oh, I love that. Okay. (laughs) And this is for women too. 
Yes. Because there are some men that don't want to... Yes, men get sexually assaulted by women. Yes. Men get sexually assaulted by men. Women get sexually assaulted by women. Yes. Yes. Make sure your partner is able to consent with full understanding. Any alcohol or drug use may prevent your partner from giving knowing consent. If you do not know your potential partner well enough to determine how intoxicated they are, ask them how intoxicated they are and actively discuss consent. The best way to ensure consent is to wait until no party is intoxicated. So that's like, be very careful of this gray area, Mm -hmm. right? Well, and to me, it just, I just feel like sex is not like, you know, that one minute to 10 minutes or, you know, whatever of pleasure is not worth all of the headache that could come after of either the other person feeling like they weren't ready mm-hmm. or, I mean, just think about it like with, you know, I'll allude it to using a condom and not using a condom. Mm-hmm. Like we've probably been in those situations where you didn't use a condom and you thought, oh shit, yep. I should have used a condom. So this is the same thing. Like it just, it's better to be overly cautious yep. than to just, you know, want that momentary experience of pleasure. Yep. Well, and it's like, right, to go back to the traffic light analogy, right? That's the like, oh, it's a yellow light, so I got to go real fast before it turns mm-hmm. red, right? And this is the idea of like, when you think about sex as like trying to obtain something from the other person, right? Then you're like, oh, I got to get in before the window shuts. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like, no, slow down and proceed with caution, right? As opposed to being like, I would never want to do anything with anyone that was not like in their right head about mm-hmm. it. And fucking psyched to be doing this thing with me right okay continuing on if a potential partner says no to any type of sexual activity accept it and don't push asking over and over may pressure someone to say yes when they do not want to this is not consent be on the lookout for mixed messages if your partner is changing their mind seems unsure is emotionally up and down or makes you feel confused back off Do not engage in sexual activity until your partner is clear and enthusiastic about what they want. This is my second favorite one coming up. Okay. You're going to love it too. Your partner may change their mind at any point, period. Don't push, pressure, or pout, period. (laughs) The three Ps. Yes. Push, pressure, pout. And I was like, it was so important to me. I was like, we have to say the word pout in here. (laughs) Because Cause it's a move. That's it's, the, it's something it's a that move. dudes do. Like, yes, Aww. they're like, but I really like you, and like, come on, like, I'm so turned on. Like, but what? like my blue ball. Yeah, it's all that bullshit. Like, yes. You want to leave me on blue? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So fucking cut that out. Okay. People who are scared or uncomfortable often freeze. Silence and passivity are usually indicators of discomfort or non-consent. Again. Stop and check in with your partner. And finally, if you are feeling uncomfortable in any way, your partner probably feels the same. Yeah, that's so great. Okay, so now we're going to speak to... So this is about staying safe. This is about reducing your own risk of being in a situation where you might be pressured or Yeah, so what can you do if you're in that situation? What can you do to prevent that situation? So now... Yes. Go ahead. And so what's interesting is we wanted to make sure to, you know, we have at the very top of where we start talking about all of this information, right, that the university fully recognizes that only those who commit sexual misconduct are responsible for their actions. Victim blaming is never appropriate. 
Because it's important when you talk about like reducing your own risk, right? You don't want to say, which like some shitty, usually they're like older white men who are administrators at universities. Like every once in a while you'll see on the news, like some dean at some university was like, you know, if these girls didn't wear those short skirts and drink all that alcohol, right? right? Which is victim blaming and it's bullshit. Well, and it's a double standard. Yes. So we, we start the section on staying safe with another like, we're not victim blaming here statement, which is, you know, sexual misconduct is never the fault of the victim in any way. Failure to do any of the following does not change the fact that only perpetrators are to blame for sexual misconduct. So it's like, we want to preface this, right? So then we say, and here's the bullet points. Sex is best when there is mutual trust, understanding, and care. Communicate your limits and boundaries with your partner early and often. Then we have a section entitled recognize perpetrator behavior. Perpetrators often use alcohol or drugs to lower inhibitions, reduce resistance, and obtain sex. This is the most common tactic used by perpetrators in the college setting. Be aware of your own consumption and be wary of others who are pressuring or repeatedly encouraging you to drink. So when I talk to students about spotting this perpetrator profile, the number one signal is the use of alcohol as a tool to obtain sex. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, here, let me get you another drink. Oh, yeah. you need a refill? It's like, oh, I made this. This is like the special shot. We have to take my special shot together right. or whatever, right? Yeah. And men can also do this thing where it's like, well, we're going to keep taking shots together, but because I'm a man and my body processes alcohol at a quicker rate than yours and I weigh more than you, we can take the same amount of drinks and I'm still very much aware and in control of what I'm doing, and you are less so. Perpetrators often try to move their intended target away from friends and others to an isolated space. For example, a back bedroom. Mm -hmm. Perpetrators often assume consent and do not ask. This one is really important. Perpetrators often attempt to cross boundaries that have been set. For example, if someone says they do not want to drink, the perpetrator will repeatedly offer or pressure. This also occurs with personal space and physical boundaries, like continuing to touch or tease despite being asked to stop. Mm -hmm. Now, combine that one with this one. Perpetrators often target individuals who avoid conflict because they don't want to make a scene, draw attention, or upset others. So if you are uncomfortable at any time, speak up, leave the situation, call someone, or reach out for help from someone nearby. Others may be waiting for a signal from you that you are not okay, Mm -hmm. right? So what both of those things combined say is that there's this thing that um, people who are looking to obtain sex in this way, right? People who fit this perpetrator profile will do where they're looking for the person who won't enforce their own boundaries. Mm -hmm. So let's say it could look like this. A group of people are at a party drinking or whatever, and some guy slaps some girl on the butt, and she's like, hey, cut it out, or he puts his arm around her, and she sort of shrugs it off, right? Then he'll do it again. And if he puts his arm around her again, and she doesn't push him off because she doesn't want to make a scene or whatever, he thinks, bingo, Mm -hmm. right? Here's someone who's not going to enforce their boundaries. Here's mm-hmm. someone who's a little more conflict avoidant or whatever. And this could be, I, I mean, I, I know you're specifically talking mostly, well, what, it, this is mostly for college students, yes. but in more of like a, maybe post-college, this could be at bars. Yep, 100%. Uh, like a friend's Parties, party. Yep. Even a one-on-one date, mm-hmm. you go back to each other's place and, you know, like I've, 
had, like, I'm very clear up front, like, hey, listen, just so you know, we're not going to have sex. Yeah. And I've had guys still request it after that. So, you know, this is in all types of circumstances. Yes, right. But this idea of looking for a person who's not going to enforce their boundaries and the shitty move that a lot of people do, right? And you'll see this in, in social situations once you start looking for it is let's say the guy like puts his arm around the girl or makes some joke about her body or something like that. And she goes, cut it out, right? And he might try to do it again. If she enforces the boundary a second time, right? And kind of makes a bigger deal of it. What shitty people will do then is like, be like, whoa, whoa, why are you making such a big deal about like, they'll kind of use the social, hey, don't rock the boat kind of thing, like against the person, like it's their fault, right? Like Like, gaslighting them almost? Yeah, it's a weird move, right? It's like, whoa, 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 like what? Like don't, why are you getting all up in my face? Like, why are you making such a big deal of this? And it's like, no, dude, you you know what you were doing. And then the last thing under the perpetrator, you know, recognizing perpetrator behavior is straight male perpetrators often have aggressive beliefs about gender and sex. They feel that women are unequal that women owe them sex and should be grateful for their advances. Jokes about rape, for example, that women are, quote, asking for it, or these types of beliefs are often a sign of this hypermasculine attitude, mm-hmm. right? And so what we know from research, which is where this bullet point comes from, is that the men who are likely to fit this profile are the most steeped in these sort of toxic mm-hmm. masculinity beliefs and attitudes. Mm-hmm. And then finally, be with friends that you trust to look out for you and look out for them. Or if you're in a situation, call a friend, text a friend, call Mm -hmm. 911. Yeah. Well, there's so many stories of like, even like, you know, people who are out at a bar or whatever, like, you know, like going to the bathroom and then like talking to a waitress or sometimes like the waitress or bartender will be like, are you okay? Like Mm -hmm. we can have you like go out the back and we can get this like shitty guy away Mm -hmm. from you. Right. Like that idea of like people are looking often looking for a signal from you that you're like, don't be afraid to make a scene like disrupt some shit. Like, yeah, I totally agree. And I was going to say, I wish men would stick up for women more often. Mm. And I think that there's some intimidation there that they won't fit in with the guys if they're not like joking along or whatever. But if you're with a group of friends and there's men that are joking about, you know, women in a negative way, and I'm not even talking about this, you know, rape or molestation or whatever. I'm talking about just like digging on women in a condescending light, like fucking Mm -hmm. stick up for them. Like if you don't believe that, then be start to, I just feel like I wish men could be more of a voice for women. Yes. And I think as our society with the whole me too movement, which Mm -hmm. is so important, I think as our society begins on this journey of awareness of this toxic masculine culture, Mm -hmm. hopefully we'll get to a point where that's more common, but Unfortunately, it's it's still so prevalent, and I think it's going to be a long road. Yeah, and I think that's a hugely important thing that you're saying, right? So one of my like earliest influences in just sort of healthy sexuality and stuff is Dan Savage, who still has a column and podcast called Savage Love that's amazing. Um, go check it out. Not as great as our podcast. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, <laughs> But he, 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 he calls this NALTS, like N-A-L-T, right? There's all these people who are NALTS, right? Which stands for not all like that. 
Right? Oh, yeah, If at sure. any time you find yourself saying like, hey, hey, we're not all like that, right? So so there's a number of guys who might say to women and, and people who are sort of conducting advocacy around rape culture and these kinds of terrible attitudes, they'll go, hey, 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 not all men are like that. And it's like, no, 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 don't tell them, idiot. Go tell the guys yes. we're not all like and that. That's, and that's right? what I was saying with the hashtag not all men. Yeah. It's like, duh. Like, yeah. duh, it's not all men. Thank yeah. God it's not all men. Yeah. But unfortunately, it is the majority. Yes. But so, it's, yeah, and it's like, it's like, well, why won't, you know, when whenever like a, a sh- police shooting happens, right, of an unarmed black man, and then you have all these police saying like, hey, there's good police out there. And it's like, don't tell us that. <laughs> tell the police who are shooting unarmed people, you know? And it's just right. like, right? And it, there's a not all like that problem with like, you know, you and I both identify as Christians at some level, mm-hmm. right? And there's a whole like, hey, 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 not all Christians are like anti-gay, like bigoted people or whatever. And it's like, well, don't tell gay people that. Go tell the shithead Christians that, <laughs> right. right? It's the same thing. Yeah, and so no, I, I think that's really important. Yes, I think it's so important. And I guess one final thing on that is guys, instead of being like, well, it's not all guys, just just start advocating. So can I can I share a quick story about how I did this? Yes. That I was like really proud of. So when I, I went to uh, grad school in a place that was like very rural and very like red, um, except for this big university that was there. And I'm at a bar with a male friend of mine. And, you know, we would drink at bars and like end up kind of chit-chatting with whoever the locals and we would be at dive bars and stuff so so there's this older man this older like white man is probably in his 40s or 50s who's from this area you know very blue collar and we're talking to the bartender who's a friend of ours and something around this topic comes up and he makes a comment like you know about like well you know like you know the way they dress they're asking for it like all this shit right And in my mind, I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm not going to get into like some dumb argument with this guy. There's like, I have very little chance of changing his mind, whatever. And all of a sudden a thought occurs to me and I'm like, "Mm, like, let me try this out. And I go, yeah, dude, I'm like, I I hear you. I'm like, but what's really interesting is because I know this guy's like a big like America guy. Mm -hmm. America. Yeah. America. And I'm like, I was like, on one hand, I hear you, but you got to think about it. Like, that's also the logic for like Muslim countries, like making women wear like hijab, right? Like, it's this idea of like, oh, like they have to be completely covered up because men can't help themselves, you know, like if they saw a woman's ankle or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And he kind of, he like took it in, right? Like he was kind of like, yeah, okay, I see where you're (laughs) being like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool, right? Because I don't have to like throw down and like be like, you're a terrible person because that's not going to get anywhere. It's not. Right. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to say for, I, I also recognize that the wearing of hijab is not actually an exclusively patriarchal or oppressive practice. There are plenty of Muslim women who would advocate for the wearing of hijab and burqa and, and niqab and all the different various uh, coverings as a good thing. So, yeah, it's, I but I was, it's important to them. Yes. But I was trying to, I was like, what can I say no, to I this totally guy that's going to, that he'll, yeah. he'll be able to digest. Right. right. And on that note, I was making out with this guy recently and we stopped and we're kind of talking and he was saying how he went back to like some girl's house and slept with her and then realized after that his friend was like, oh yeah, she's like a hoe and she sleeps with everybody. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you say? And he was like, yeah, because she was like, and I'm like, so it's okay for you to go sleep with whoever you want, but because she's has a sexually active practice, she's a hoe. And he was like, oh my gosh, you're right. 
he's like, okay, yeah, no, you're right. I, I'm sorry. I take it back. Good for you. So, right. So I think like, you know, hopefully like we can leave on a hopeful note, which is that when you have these kinds of conversations, like it does raise awareness and we are able to change some of these beliefs and attitudes. Yes. So. And I think I'm sure a lot of listeners have had really negative experiences and we, you know, we're here for you. And mm-hmm. hopefully this episode was empowering, if anything, that it's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay to get yourself out of situations. It's okay to have something happen and to think about it later and then to say something. Yep. And yeah, so we want to we want to just end on a little bit of a lighter note. We apologize if this was also too political. <laughs> We're two very liberal people in mm-hmm. this on this couch right now. So uh, back to the dating app thing. Uh-huh. I thought I'd end with a couple funny stories. Well, a couple just kind of funny things of how I... So on Bumble, if you're not familiar with Bumble... You match with the person and then the woman has to be the first one to send the message. And the reason why this app was created is because on Tinder and Match and OkCupid, a lot of women were getting a lot of very inappropriate messages. Yeah. And like that's what sucks. Like I was driving women from those venues because it was just like a tidal wave of fucking creeps it, it's you pretty, know like it's yeah it was pretty bad saying like gross sexual yes. things to them like, and, yeah. which still happens on yeah. bumble by the way <laughs> <laughs> but at least the woman can navigate through it a little bit more so yeah. let's see okay so this is not from this bumble experience i've like downloaded and this deleted, bumble go round. Da- downloaded yeah. and deleted bumble so many times it's crazy but i said hey mike softer hard shell tacos I feel like that's, you know, whatever. I was tired. I couldn't think of anything better. Sure. (laughs) Okay. And obviously soft. Yeah. Right? Oh. Ooh, I don't know how I would answer that question. Well, it depends on the context. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So he goes... Yeah, street tacos, corn tortillas is the right answer. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Not here to waste your time, so I'll just say it. I'm looking to have a little fun if you are interested. Ha ha. I'm super respectful and not some asshole, I promise. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, this guy is definitely uh, an asshole. That, yeah, that should, um, like, that should always be, like, that should always, I think, be an indicator yeah. of, like, I'm a nice guy. And it's like, what? I, I don't know. I, like, I will maybe, God, like, someone's going to hear this and be like, hey, dickhead, you said that to me. Like, or whatever. But right. I don't think I've ever done that. I've been like, I mean, like, if someone's asked a question... I well, might. but the context is, hey, listen, I want to use your body for because I, I want to have se- casual sex, mm-hmm. but I'm not disrespectful. Yeah. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Well, I mean, it, it, it's possible this guy might find women who are looking for the same thing. And I think being open yes, about his intentions. But I'm, I'm, I have a stance that I don't think, I, I have a really strong stance about casual sex. We can talk about that in a yeah. different episode. Well, you know my stance, which is about the intimacy, vulnerability, right. and, and, I, and he's not going to find what he's looking he's for. He's not going to find it. But, and people are going to get hurt. Yes. And that's the problem with yes. casual sex. I don't I don't have... See, you and I have a problem with different aspects of, of Mike here. <laughs> like, right, my problem is um, the Mike. whole, like, I'm a nice guy yeah. thing. Like, flying that flag out there. And your problem is 
like just what he's looking for in general. Right. So I'm going to read his response again, and then I'm going to read my response to it. Because okay. I've gotten to the point where I just feel like, I, I just kind of like nagging them a little bit, and uh-huh. I feel like my response was really funny. So he goes, not here to waste your time, so I'll just say it. I'm looking to have a little fun if you are interested. Ha ha. I'm super respectful and not some asshole, I promise. And my response was, oh, bummer. I prefer disrespectful assholes. Okay. <laughs> and then I never heard from him again, yeah. which was the point, right? And yeah. obviously, I don't prefer disrespectful assholes. But my point was, by the way, you were supposed to laugh at that. I mean, that was kind of funny. <laughs> what would be really funny, actually, what I was thinking, like, what would be really funny is if Mike was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like, He's like, I can do that. Wait, but that was my point. Yeah. Is I was saying, like, obviously, you're a, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then, so then this was also from a former Bumble (laughs) experience. But it was late at night. I had just downloaded Bumble. I was just, like, swiping and messaging people. And I go, listen, Brandon, I've had a couple glasses of wine, and this is the worst part. So, (laughs) So here we are. So that was my first message to him. I, I like that. First of all, very funny. Uh-huh. That would have made me laugh. Uh-huh. I like that. I like And that. he goes, easily my favorite message, and then gives me the, like, the, the, okay. the okay sign. Yeah. And then never heard from him again. Oh, uh, well, yeah. he was looking for you to pick up and run with it, maybe. Yeah, but I just was tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is actually a nice little outro for this episode and a nice little intro to our next I episode. I agree. So I'm yeah. going to give you guys one more. Okay. And then... And then we'll we'll close. One more is a palate cleanser. One more is a palate cleanser. Okay, so this was from the most recent one. Okay. And I sent this text at two o'clock in the afternoon. You up? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, right? I get it. It's okay. a minute. I like so, it. Yeah. Okay, so you up, right? Yeah. Which obviously in other instances has implications sure. of casual hooking up, but in this one, it's making fun of that. Because yeah. it was sent at two o'clock. And he goes, Yep. What's up, Leanna? And I just really liked his... I liked the exclamation point. Like, he seemed, like, super stoked. Yeah, come back with some energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I replied, what's crack-a-lackin'? Oh, no. (laughs) And then I went, and then I said, love the energy. Tell me... Oh, I said, your profile is really cryptic. Tell me, like, three random things. And then I responded a few minutes later, and I go... I also just realized that crack-a-lacking immediately puts me in the friend zone. I've literally never used that word in my life. Uh, (laughs) See, that would make me like you more. Like, I think that's sort of, like, charming and meta and, like, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so this is the guy that I'm talking to that called me and wants to meet me. Oh, hooray. Yeah. So, I've never used Uh crack-a-lacking. Like, never in my life. Well, let us know if it works. (laughs) I'll give you guys an an update update. next week. Yes. Okay, so we're going to end this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe and rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast. You can follow my personal account at Leanna Joan. And you can find Jared through all that. I guess. (laughs) And we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.